the reality is we have made an extraordinary amount of progress. I mean, the institutes themselves are very much on the same page when it comes to standards of training, of licensing and of on-the-job compliance. So industry leads with that regard. The regulators simply haven't caught up. And what we'd like is for state and federal governments to come to the party and meet us there. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. We are proud to present Courageous Conversations, a podcast series focusing on the tough decisions people have made to put themselves on a pathway to success. This episode is brought to you by Connect Now, who makes the business of moving easier for both you and your clients. For more information, visit connectnow.com.au. Please welcome your host, Leanne Pilkington. Hey everyone, Leanne Pilkington here for the latest edition of Courageous Conversations. And with me, I have the CEO of the Real Estate Institute of Australia, Anna Neil, Neil Agama. Sorry, I really struggle over your name. Sorry about that. Oh, oh good. It's actually my, my husband's name. So it's a Sri, Sri Lankan, so you don't come across that every day. No, you don't. Well, you were Campbell when I first met you. That was a whole lot easier. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> And that was almost a whole pandemic ago, Leanne. Yeah, I know. It was a long time ago. Now, um, just um, just so that people know, I'm actually the um, the Deputy President of the Real Estate Institute of Australia. I am on the board and have been for about four years, I think now. And so I was on the, um, the interviewing committee when we were going out to find a new CEO, which is when I first met you. But you've got no real estate aid. You've got no real estate experience at all. So how do you go about taking on a job in an industry where your experience is really only limited to probably owning a house or renting a house, right? Living in a house. Correct. Um, Look, I'd say three key things. One, I love real estate and I've got a passion for it. And as you said, I've owned and rented houses. So that makes it very easy to to get across a subject matter really, really rapidly. Um, If if you've got that, that passion and enthusiasm there. Um, the second thing I would say, when you go in through an executive recruitment process like that, the fact you know nothing is actually an advantage because you can assess the website, you can assess media performance, you can assess um, advocacy agenda, um, and you can really just give very Im- impartial, objective view with your expertise, which is policy and advocacy, and, and tell your um, potential future board what it is that they need to do. Um, I think the second thing um, that was really important, I did a serious kind of immersive process. I got to know all the stakeholders. I did a very deep dive on social media. Um, I researched, you God know. God knows what you would have found on social media. <laughs> I found some very interesting <laughs> things. And you'll note we've completely overhauled the social media since I started. Um, but, I, you know, I, and I, I researched it. I reached out to my contacts in government that were working in housing portfolios. So I really got to know um, the lay of the land absolutely inside out. And then I used the core skills that I knew I had that I had to sell to you guys as the recruiting panel to show you the process I'd take or the journey I'd take and the the kind of core rollout plan that I'd do in kind of my first 100 days, first year. So I I guess, you know, the passion was evident and that shined through. Um, my, My lack of knowledge was an advantage. Um, and I, I backed that by by demonstrating that at an executive level, I, I could actually do that. And I, I, I put in place that pitch and, and the work involved to, to make that happen. I was really impressed with um, the presentation that you delivered um, that day. How much time did all of that research take? 
Gosh, it's a few years ago. I couldn't tell you, but I mean, I would have spent about a week preparing that intensively. Right. I, I worked with a graphic designer to put it together. Um, but I mean, I, I, I guess um, your job is your life, um, for good or for bad. And this was a job that I wanted. So it was a, a process I was heavily invested in. Um, and I, I wanted to demonstrate that I, I was the candidate for you, which I, fortunately, that was an investment that paid off. <laughs> yeah, it did pay off. But that's, um, that's interesting. That's a, that's a serious, that is a really serious, serious um, commitment. So well done. And you have done an incredible job uh, in, the, in the two years that you've been with us. It's been an absolute, um, it's been a pleasure to work with you and to watch the change in the Real Estate Institute of Australia. So where did you start? With that, with that sort of transformation of the organisation? I think it was really just kind of getting in and understanding the lay of the land. Um, probably many of your listeners are not aware, RIA actually owns a facility in Canberra, real estate house, uh, coming in here, having a look at um, what was in the office, speaking with the team, speaking with the board directors, speaking with our kind of investors, shareholders, stakeholders, which is the, the real estate institutes themselves, yep. and just really kind of um, what I'd describe as kind of a very intense listening exercise and understanding uh, what it is that they wanted, like what was their dream kind of end state, if you like. Um, and, and really it was they wanted to be united. They wanted to be, Ria, to be walking the halls of parliament and being a very powerful advocate with a seat at the table and they wanted to really back it with the very best research and the very best comms. Um, and, and that's that's something uh, I obviously took on board really seriously. And we've kind of been very disciplined in, in trying to achieve that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's a lot going on in, uh, in the real estate space at the moment. You and I have spoken a lot about property managers and the stress that they're under. Um, what's your view? What, what do you think we can do to help property managers out there in the field, attract more people into the industry, keep the ones that we've got? Look, great question. And it's probably the single biggest issue. I get to travel all across Australia and talk to many real estate businesses and workforce planning in property management is probably the single biggest issue that's consistently raised with me. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think with that in mind, there's, there's a few things and, um, I'll, I'll, I'll start with a bit of a list and then I'll just probably um, foreshadow that by saying the property management workforce did an absolutely amazing job. Um, when I talk to MPs and senators in Canberra, they're actually kind of not really aware of the impact of the rental eviction moratorium and they hadn't fully appreciated that it was actually the property management workforce that took that policy that National Cabinet made sitting around their Zoom table, if you like. Yeah. Property management workforce went out and implemented that on behalf of the Australian government and state governments. Yep. And um, it, in my opinion, we haven't quite got the, the recognition and the acknowledgement that we did for, for all of that very intense heavy lifting. Yep. Um, and, and, and one of the kind of fallouts of that has been that some people have chosen to leave property management because it was a stressful, hard, busy time, as, time. as you would know, Leanne. Yeah, massively. So I think there's um, there's a few things that that Rear is working on, but um, if your if your listeners have ideas, we we're welcome. We're keen to work with anyone that's got fresh ideas um, on you know getting more PMs and yep. keeping PMs the ones we've got. Um, so first and foremost is um, a dedicated skills package to help new entrants into the industry. 
where you'd get um, a, a mentor in um, who's a retired property manager and, um, you know, help um, rent roll businesses actually introduce people into the workforce. And that's an idea you and I have collaborated heavily on. Yeah, we have with our friend Virginia from Resolver Recruitment. Um, Correct. Absolutely, because it, it makes so much sense. It's, it's My concern is for the business owners that have no idea about property management. Um, and when their senior property manager goes, then they're in real trouble because they can't train somebody. They don't know the skills. And so this concept... Um, would actually massively help. But you were trying to get some funding for that project, right? Yeah, and I think that's still something that's very much life. We've just got to get this thing called the federal election behind us. What but a bloody nuisance that mean, election is. Yeah. Um, the, the reality is, is Australia, all businesses, all small, middle, large businesses are all facing a serious skills crunch. So whoever forms the next parliament, going to have their work cut out and we're we're effectively at full employment right at four percent yeah correct so we've we've really got to come up with new and innovative ways to actually fill fill that um that skills crunch in property management but also everywhere like i was reading the other day and this this affects housing in the bigger picture um with all the money that's gone in and around covid into investing in public infrastructure we only have 50% of the staff we need to actually build all that public infrastructure. So, yeah, that's trades, engineers, et cetera. So it's not just us, if that gives anyone listening no, comfort. Yeah. It's everybody. It's everybody. Yeah, my husband's in construction, so I, I know that, um, yeah, massively. They've got so many projects on the go and they really struggle to get the people they need to deliver them. Yeah, so it's going to be a challenging time. So, as I said, whoever forms that the next parliament they're really going to have heavily invest in skills and part of that will be immigration. So we'd obviously love to see property management back on the, the skilled immigration pri- priority list. Yep. Um, but we will keep on talking um, to, to property management businesses. If people have great ideas of what's working in terms of retention, we'd love to hear them. Um, and if you, you've got new innovations that you think um, the whole of industry would benefit from, um, please pick up the phone, give us a call because um, we're only through collaboration are we going to kind of solve this kind of big picture kind For of sure. people, people shortage. Yeah, and we do need to, I mean, you'll never replace a property manager through technology, but there's a lot of um, technology solutions that will ease the ease the load and get rid of some of the more mundane parts of the job. It's a matter of getting people that have got time to work out what they are, the solutions are and implement them, right? Property managers have got so much on their plate, just yeah, adding adding that to it is hard right now. Oh, totally. And, look, I, I just can't even imagine, you know, new people coming in having to manage hundreds and hundreds of properties. It's, it's a big job. I know that. I've been a tenant. Um, so uh, I really do think um, that's going to be, you know, front and centre on the agenda for, for RIA. Yeah. Um, and I, I think um, people putting people first in the industry is, is going to be a critical part of the, the next phase of, of the industry's success. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and talk to me about the single rule book. What's uh, across the country? One of the things that drives me nuts is so many different um legislative processes and training and every licensing, everything's different around the country. I don't know how national um, organisations deal with it, to be honest. 
Look, Leanne, it's really funny because Ria is actually approaching its 100-year birthday. That will be in 2024. Wow. Um, and in uh, 1924, uh, we had our first conference of uh, all the institutes. It was at a big fancy hotel in Sydney. So we'll have to go back there in 2024. But um, uh, one of the... <laughs> Big issues was consistency of real estate standards across Australia in 1924. So <laughs> it was a bugbear for the forefathers. Oh, no, and 100 years and we made no progress. That's a nightmare. Oh, Anna. <laughs> I, I mean, I think the, the reality is we have made an extraordinary amount of uh, progress. I mean, the institutes themselves are very much on the same page when it comes to to standards of training, of licensing, and yeah. of on the job compliance. So, industry leads with that regard. The regulators simply haven't caught up. So, I, I think um, everyone listening should feel very reassured. Um, where institutes are setting the bar is very, very high. And what we'd like is for state and federal governments to come to the party and meet us there. Um, so we've got a few things that we're working on, but one of the more exciting things is uh, we just received an innovation grant um, to, to build a, a real estate licensing exchange. So um, the easiest way I can explain it is your driver's license. You can, um, you can drive anywhere in Australia with that driver's license, um, and that's powered by um, a piece of software called Nevitas. So um, basically we're going to build Nevitas for, for real estate um, licensing and with that, we'll be able to introduce all sorts of innovations like bridging courses above across borders. Yeah, okay, because I was um, going to ask about the different legislative requirements in, you know, Queensland, for example, versus New South Wales. There are quite significant differences. Correct. So that will kind of allow us to kind of plug plug those gaps, if you like, and make sure um, the information and and the training um, is is getting to, to everyone. So I think with innovation and a bit of determination um, we'll be able to kind of achieve that single ticket single rule book we probably just will get there in a different way than um, we, we imagined in the 1924 for example. Yeah because well, there was conversations around national licensing and so I suppose um, whilst this is not really national licensing it does make it easier to achieve the same outcome. Correct. And I think the onus is on us as industry to 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 lift the standards because we, we have to be realistic if the regulators were going to do that. That's going to take some time. So we've we've got we've got to lead and then hope that kind of bare minimum compliance actually um, lifts to align with best practice rather than bare, bare minimum. Yeah, and the frustrating thing um, for all of us is that we get so far down the road and then all of a sudden one stupid mistake from one one individual then just drags us all back down. So we've all got to be mindful. It's not just the institutes, it's every single real estate practitioner out there in the field, isn't it? Correct. Our focus for RIA is really going to be looking at how we can talk about all the good news stories real estate agents um, bring to the table in terms of the role they play in their communities. They're very philanthropic. They're very trusted People talk to their agents all the time, even if they're not selling their house or renting yeah. their house, because they're a genuine trusted advisor. Yeah. Um, and, and I think they're so generous, aren't they, when it comes to supporting schools and um, sporting teams and, you know, the list goes on and on and on. It really is. It's, it's quite extraordinary how integrated people are with their towns and suburbs. So yeah. I think the onus is on us to build that goodwill with the community 
yeah. um, to show them for every bad story, there's literally millions and millions and millions of good stories, and we're very well positioned to do that. So how do we do that? Look, uh, to, to be honest, I think it's a bit of um, better marketing 101, better trust building 101. Um, I, I know our counterparts now, um, the, the North American realtors, um, they've done a great job in um, promoting the role of agents as a trusted advisor in, in their community. And they've had really um, excellent success in terms of their evaluation. So I think that sort of bigger picture thinking that's looking at positioning an agent as a, as a lifestyle advisor, as a, you know, someone that's embedded into a community, someone that's committed to the success of, of yourself in your, you know, life journey and, and wealth journey. Um, I, I think that's something we've really got to um, increase investment in. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm actually building a training session for some of my people at Lang and Simmons on on that um, on that very thing right now. Um, because some agents are fantastic at looking at that whole of lifestyle um, conversation. Kathy Baker, for example, from Bell, comes immediately to mind. She does an incredible job in that space. Uh, and I think more and more agents need to um, take a leaf out of that book and, and start thinking that through a little bit more. Correct. And I think um, agency practices, at the end of the day, tech, tech stacks, they're going to drive a lot of productivity, but it's always going to be a really human-to-human relationship um and a very kind of emotive one like you know the big days of your life you know weddings funerals when you buy when you sell a house they're they're all up there um yeah yeah, we've got we've got to really tap into that and um you know people really rely on their um agents to to give them good advice when times are good and when times are tough and i think we we've got to as i said i called it a good will bank we've really got to um Increase the interest in the Goodwill Bank, I'd yeah. suggest. Yeah, absolutely. Two years in, what has surprised you about real estate agents or with the real estate industry? Two years in. Um, look, I probably just didn't realise the scale of the operations just in terms of the, the business size and, and the outreach. Um, and you've got like the, the very big kind of franchises right down to, you know, what, what I'd call a, a mum and dad style business. Yep. But you guys are really everywhere. It's quite amazing. There's nowhere you go where there isn't um, real estate agencies. And, uh, I mean, that's just such um, an amazing story to be part of when you're, when you're advocating for, for an industry. Yeah. Um, and, and I guess I mean, that's why it's so important for, because um, a, a lot of real estate agents, I mean, most real estate agents are members of their state institutes, but a lot of them don't, are not really clear on on why and on the value that they bring. And I think um, trying to marshal that cohesive voice, right, and be able to lobby to get a result that's good for consumers and um, and the industry, it's so important. So that's one of the reasons why we need to be active members of our institutes, right? Completely. And I, I, I do sincerely hope that um, the very good job that all the state and territory institutes have 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 done throughout this COVID-19 pandemic where government policy settings turned on its head overnight, not once, but many, many times. Oh, so you don't need to tell me <laughs> <Yeah>. about it. <laughs> yeah, you're smiling at me like, yes, I understand. Yeah. Um, I, I, do, I do hope all the kind of quite amazing advice and regulatory change and 
very strong advocacy um, remains um, front and centre in agents' minds um, as we navigated that that kind of quite amazing shutdown, not shutdown, open home, no open home. Institutes were central to getting the the keeping the industry open in some instances and getting them back to business straight away. So um, I, I do hope um, if there's a key message I could get across, um, that's that's what we're here for. That's our bread and butter. And that's yeah. to, you know, make your guys' lives easier, your, your business more um, productive. Yeah, certainly I don't think people realise um, the importance of the institutes in keeping, um, you know, the states that were open for business and New South Wales was one of them, um, the institutes, played an, a massive role in making sure that that happened. Um, so I don't think people realise that or realise what people like, you know, the, what the agents in Melbourne went through was just horrendous. Um, so, yeah, that's a good enough reason to be a member of the Institute just there alone. Um, Correct. One of the questions that I ask people at an induction, Lang and Simmons inductions, or two questions I'm going to ask you, um, is... Tell me something that you're proud of. And with women in particular, they immediately go to their kids or to their partner. So I want to know something that has made you proud personally, and it's not about your husband and it's um, something that you've achieved that's made you proud. Because I just want people to think about think about that in their own lives. Yeah. Um, look, I think that's a great one. I mean, I'm obviously extraordinarily proud of the work we've done at RIA since I joined uh, two, two, two years ago. But, I, I mean, if you're looking back on your, your whole of life, I, I think all the things I'm proud of on a professional level has been really help, helping business. Before real estate, I was in agribusiness and um, I, I helped in agribusiness to, to manage a few kind of quite significant crises. We got some big trade deals over the line and they were things that, um, either saved um, businesses a lot of money or, or un unlocked um, quite significant value and growth. So, I mean, they're, they're the things I'm proud of on a personal, professional level. Yeah. Um, on a personal level, um, and I think I said this to you when I first met you, I kind of really got into gardening over the pandemic. <laughs> um, so I'd bought a house in 2019 um, and I spent kind of the whole initial lockdown transforming my garden and I actually planted I think around 500 tulips so I think there's about a thousand tulips in the ground now so I'm oh, very really? proud of that yeah oh wow That's <laughs> it's awesome. like a little floriard um, at are. my house in spring you are you'll have to send me a photo in spring yes well I can send you last spring it's yeah. quite it's quite something um I'm, trying to, I'm going to try and get on the Floriard map, which is the Tulip Festival here yeah, in yeah. Canberra um, this, this September. Yeah, that's amazing. I've only ever got um, been able to get my husband to Floriard once and, of course, it was a late spring and so we got there and nothing was in bloom and he's like, well, this is a waste of time. We think we're not doing this again. <laughs> no, oh, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> um, so <laughs> the other question is what would surprise us about you? And, and you know what? Probably um, the the thousand tulips in the garden probably would have been a good answer to that. <laughs> oh, sorry, but I'm I'm very proud. I'm I'm very proud of that because I never be. saw myself being a gardener. Um, I'm actually from. Um, do you, do you remember that cartoon Beyond the Black Stump? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually from Blackall, which is the home of the Black Stump, which is um, 
uh, it was back in the olden days, um, the geographical centre of, of Queensland and the, the guys that were doing all the cartography and stuff, yeah. uh, their um, marker for the geographical centre of Queensland was actually a burnt out tree, uh, which is the black stump. So <laughs> I am from Blackall, home of the black stump. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah. that's um, uh, what's the population there like? So um, it's got a population of 1,200, and just to give um, people listening a sense, it's 12 hours' drive from Brisbane, but um, back in the olden days, it was um, kind of where, like, all the um, the outlaws and the, the frontiersmen, it's the last place you could cash a cheque before you disappeared into the bush. So it was, like, real kind of frontier country. Right. Sounds a bit Wild West. It, it was back then, yeah, very much so. <laughs> well, it's been so lovely catching up with you. Um, obviously, we do um, see a bit of each other, but, you know, board meetings are not really the place to chat, are they? No. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm thrilled that you had me on. And, um, look, please, your listeners, jump onto our Instagram, jump onto our website. We, we love to hear from agencies with good ideas or, or bugbears. Um, please uh, always get in touch. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for being so accessible and so willing to collaborate. It's um, it's massively important. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Leanne. Thank you so much. See you soon. See you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Courageous Conversations with thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agency's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.